Welcome to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. In this podcast, there'll be insights around three key areas to mastering the game of life. Purpose, prosperity, philanthropy. Your host, Paul Lowe, the third sector mentor, is the founder of Hearts Global CIC, which along with many other of his charitable commitments, has been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from disadvantaged communities. Author of Mastering the Game of Life, From Pain to Purpose, and Speaking from Our Hearts books. Introducing your host, Paul Lowe. Welcome listeners, here we are on the Mastering the uh, the Game of Life podcast and I am very privileged to be in the home of a former professional football goalkeeper uh, who um, whose claim to fame, uh, amongst many, is the fact that he won three promotions along, uh, along with a, a very, very famous manager under the name of Neil Warnock. So without further ado... Um, my great, great pleasure to introduce to you Steve Cherry. Steve, a warm welcome. Good evening. Thank you. Right. So, a good starting point, Steve. I know you've got a new book uh, that's coming out soon called Cherry Picking, Life Between the Sticks. I want to park that for a moment, if I can, and just dive in. And um, tell us about growing up as a kid, first and foremost. Well, I was a, a lad uh, growing up in a local uh, village in Calverton, uh, as Calverton, and... Um, I was, I was football mad. Um, I had a special relationship with the, with the elder lad, who was a former goalkeeper, as in local goalkeeper, who helped me uh, mature as a goalkeeper, uh, extra train, special training. Um, and then it helped me get into the local team, the school team. Um, but it took a time to get there. You know, I had two goalkeepers above me, so it was a case of playing outfield. But uh, in my spare time, I did a lot with Les Yates and I had a ball in my hands 24-7. Right, okay. So what, what, what position did you play outfield then? Gosh, I played inside left, outside right. I scored a, an equalising goal with my left foot, which is not very good. <laughs> I don't know why that happened. It was a, much of a fluke. Local derby. Um, yeah, it was uh, just being patient. I'd play anyway just to play football. Right, okay. The benefit of the listeners, and that area that Steve's referred to called Calverton is an old mining area, um, the old Calverton pit there. Um, the pit would have been shut down, Steve, would it, when you was a lad, or was it still...? No, no, my dad worked there for 40 years. Right. Um, but the unfortunate thing, my dad never got to watch me play. So when we, when we um, played, played our games, it was always his mates coming to watch me or bypassing the pitch, and they'd re- reply all the... Um, how good I was and this, that and the other. So, and I wasn't keen on my parents watching me anyway because it made me quite nervous. So, yeah. but it's a great village. Um, and it's a shame it shut down and it's a lot of my, my, my former uh, school colleagues, they were, they went down the mine mm. and at a, a time when I thought, well, if I didn't make the grade, I probably would have followed the same footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's, you know. Yeah. Um, well, Nottinghamshire at the time when we was growing up as kids, because we are the same age, um, you know, the pits, whether it was Ucknall, Limby or surrounding areas was, was quite rife, wasn't it? You know, it was... Yeah, the, yeah. You know, you yeah. left school and you went down pit and that was it. Yeah, I think I went down twice as a uh, from school, you know, just yeah. to have a look at it and yeah. was interested. But my mind, my heart was all set on being a, a pro footballer goalkeeper. So did you have that awareness then, Steve, from a very, very early age? Yes, your heart was set on it, but do you actually believe that you would do it? Did you have that focus? Yeah, from the age of probably... Four or five when I was diving around my mum's lounge, 
<laughs> and I uh, it was on a Sunday morning and I cut my knee open. I think the family had, had a few beers the night before and splintered a glass and it went to my knee. Right. And that was through diving around in the in the lounge. Yeah. Knocking myself out at two years of age with a ball, you know. Um, right. So, yeah, I was football crazy and, I, you know, I didn't watch many football matches on uh, live. It was always on TV. Mm. Um, because when I got playing, I played that much football that I didn't get a chance to play or watch matches at the weekend. I think it'd be fair to say then, Steve, from a very early age, uh, not that you'd maybe the burning of the word purpose, but it was your purpose in life. It was without a doubt, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was meant to be. Absolutely. I believe that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Who was your football hero growing up? Um, Gordon Banks, Peter Shilton. Wow. Banks and Shilton. Yeah. If you look at my my career in terms of uh, goalkeeping gloves and more so boots, I always wore Puma football boots. Right. Because Banks and Shilton wore them. Wow. And later in life, I got the pleasure to, oh, I got all sponsored with, with the Puma boots and gloves. So, uh, Bit of perseverance there by myself, and um, I was honoured by wearing their equipment. Probably a little bit of an unfair question, stroke comparison, Steve. But out of those two massive giants in the world of football, who would be the number one? Well, that's well, I doubt Banks. Yeah, um, I had the pleasure of meeting him again for the third time about three months ago. I was invited back to Chesterfield, and they invited five goalkeepers back, and. Um, Top man was, was, was Sir Gordon Banks. Wow. So we, me and the wife had dinner with Sir Gordon on our table and what a great night at Chesterfield. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Music. Was music ever a part of your life? Um, well, never a dancer. No. Uh, because one of my mates were at the youth club, I'd be outside kicking a ball about. But mm. um, uh, probably in my early years at Derby, um, I was a massive Cliff Richard fan. All right, okay. Um, took a lot of stick for it, but yeah. down the line, I got to meet um, one of his producers or songwriters, Chris Eaton, uh, who wrote Saviour's Day and became golf buddies for about six, seven years. So every time his phone went to his house, I'd say, is that Sir Cliff? Can I talk to him? But he never happened, unfortunately. But Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I this like. Cliff was the my main one. Sweet, remember Sweet? Yeah, the, I do. The yeah, 70s. blockbuster. Uh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, um, Spandau Ballet. Spandau. They were yeah. more the eighties, weren't they? Uh, cool of the gang. Yeah, I, I had my, I had a few choices, you know, but I wasn't a massive um, pop fan, if you like. I wasn't. It was just f- football, football. It dominated my life. Right. Yeah. I mean, the reason I asked that, Steve, I know how as a generalisation, I know how powerful music is in people's lives. And interesting what you say about the Cliff Richard thing. I've recently done a, a nostalgic uh, episode, podcast episode with somebody. Um, yeah, again, sort of our age. Um, and he was sharing his, you know, his early sort of pop idols. And I, in the um, in the ensuing conversation, I actually conceded that I used to like Donny Osmond. Yeah, I love the Osmond. I'm the Jackson part. Jackson, yeah. you know, they were the part of massive part of my youth. You know. Um, yeah. Donnie and Marie and the Osmond family loved all the shows, you know. That's so that's what a lot of mine. I suppose the thing was though the um, the difficulty inverted commas for me on that one, Steve. Growing up as a kid on uh, on Bestwood Estate, it's not the kind of thing you put your hands up to. No, mate, no, no. Charles <laughs> at Carlton Village, it weren't, but <laughs> deep down you thought, yeah, I know where you're going with that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a great way you've put that, Steve. Deep down, because. 
Um, when we look at your football career, which has been in anybody's perception successful, um, but people don't get to see the real person behind what other than what goes off on the pitch. You know that real. What's the man behind the um, you know behind the goalkeeper or the striker or behind the player? What's really going off? What happens in his life? You know the tears, the tantrums, the happiness, the sadness. And that's what I like to do with these podcasts is like dig behind the Mm -hmm. scenes and say, okay, Steve, tell us about Steve the man rather than Steve the footballer. And we will come back to Steve the footballer. I think, you know, I've I've had disappointments. I've had sadness and tears. And I think the biggest disappointment is the loss of your your mum and dad. Yeah. Um, That really took me back, sent me back. How could I live without the mum and dad and... You know, my dad was never, ever ill or something. He, he passed away at the age of 80, 83, well, it was yesterday actually, 83, um, 18 years ago. And my mum had cancer for 28 years, battled it with all sorts of problems. And um, she survived till she was 91. Um, it put a bit of stress on me and my, my, my life, if you like, because when my dad passed away, it was taking care of my mum and taking her out, continually taking her out every Saturday night mm. uh, with my ex-wife and my, and my wife, Fiona. We did, we did it. She, even she took her out, you know, just to get by the days, the weeks. Um, but that, that's a massive this, this blow for me. And then about six, seven years ago, my brother passed away through being alcoholic. Um, he's a massive Steve Cherry fan and a Notts County fan. Right. And we had some great times with him and... Um, He's sadly missed, you know. Yeah. But like you say, I've had, I think when you go through a divorce, it made me quite ill. Yeah. You know, to the to the point where it caused a lot of stress and uh, probably the main cause of why I had to have heart surgery. Yeah. Um, but having Fiona got me through it all mm. and definitely without doubt made me a, a better and stronger person. Yeah. And my outlook is different on life. Um, but I still like to help people. I've, I've been to people's bedsides to try and help get through comas and all that. You know, I like, I like to, to, to support charities. I've had football matches and raise mm. money and Burns Unit in Nottingham. So, yeah, that's that's Steve Cherry, who I want to be remembered by. Not just a footballer, but I think that I, I, people that know me know that I'll I, I do anything for anybody. And I'm going to, yeah, and I'd second that. And we haven't spoke about this, Steve, but I'm going to remind you of something when we played uh, for Carlton Town. Yeah. Oh, I'm going back a good few years now. Yeah. Mick had arranged it, Mick Garton, yeah, chairman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he was obviously in goal. Um, the guy uh, that does Radio Nottingham, his lad James, was playing. Yeah. Um, and I was playing fullback. Yeah. And I passed this ball across the 18-yard okay. box and you went bananas. Yeah, I would do, yeah. Yeah, to which I gave you a, a reply. That's okay. And there was a little bit of... Um, well, the thing is, when you replied to me, you know, that you understand that I was I was right in the first place. That's why you bit back at me. Yeah. <laughs> so you sound like Brian Clough. Exactly. Now, that's, that, you know, that's what it is. That's what it yeah. is. We'll discuss it for two well, minutes. What you, what you should have said right. done was put your hand up, apologise... Because you bit back, you knew I was right. So we'll end that there. Right, yeah. Okay, as you say, moving on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a good few years ago. But, um, yeah, so just going back, Steve, to the um, the challenging times in our lives that uh, we all have. So what what do, you th- what do you think gave you the strength to 
to overcome that, to keep going? I think the love of my mum and dad. Yeah. You know, um, I had many a time when I sat there thinking, how am I going to cope? But you do. It makes you a stronger person, but you never forget them. You no. know, I'm, I wish my, my two kids were like what, I, what I'm like. And, you know, my wife Fiona's lost her parents at early age. Mm. And it's made her, she's she had to bring herself up. You know, and that's a, she's an inspiration to everybody, anybody, for all walks of life. Yeah. So she's turned out, clothe the feed herself. I've been privileged that I've had everything done for me. And my parents sacrificed a lot to get me to where, Get me started, if you like. And I hope along the way in my, in my football career that I, I repaid them by not just my performances and what I won and achieved, but by what I, I paid back outside of football. I, I don't yeah. want to go into that because it's not about patting on the back, but I hope they understand. And I, I know we did, but a great uh, connection, my mum and dad and me. Yeah, yeah. And on the, on the note of charity, Steve, um, you've mentioned to me um, off air that uh, there's one very close to your heart at the moment. Do you want to give us a little insight into yeah, that? Yes, MDS, and you can probably you've got it written down. It's myelodysplastic syndrome. Yeah, it's a form of blood cancer. Uh, it's connected with leukemia. Um, and leukemia is what um, my mother-in-law, if I call her my mother-in-law, my, my fiance's wife, she died at a very early age. Um, so Fiona's being looked after on that um, apartment and also she suffers with uh, lymphedema right and she was the first person to have liposuction done in her leg in the right leg um, and it's, it's it's been controlled by the doctors nurses surgeons um, so yeah um, it's uh, two charities that are close to my hearts and we want to support as much as we can what I'll make cool Make sure happens, Steve, in the show notes because we get a written version of this conversation yeah. with the key points pulled out. Make sure the website and the contact details for those two charities okay. are highlighted yeah. so that listeners can then, if they don't pick up on it on the audio, you yeah. can actually read the show notes and it's there okay, as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. Biggest influences on your career um, and your life? I think you've already answered that, Steve, is, mm-hmm. is your parents. Was Without a doubt, yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, yeah I mean... Uh... They took me, I'm a sister Lynn. They took me everywhere to training, but obviously until I passed my driving test, I was restricted to either living in Diggs away in Derby or uh however I get back from Derby. Uh so I got I got a lot of transportation from my parents and my sister. Mm. Um I had a lot of support from the other other members of my family, but we're not in touch anymore. So I am with my sister Lynn. Um yeah. Okay. What do you value, Steve, more than anything else in life? You, you've already um, said to me previously around, you know, when you've had that kind of life-challenging experience or a life-challenging experience, you look at things differently. Knowing what you know now, or more importantly, how you feel now about life, what would what is the number one? If there is one thing, there may not be, but the one thing that you value and you regard it as being so precious. I think people that love you, I give the love back. Um, I was always, well, I was warned that when I when I first started playing football, that people, family and friends would be around you while you're doing well. Mm. But the minute you pack up playing football, a lot of my friends, even my golfing friends, it's been discussing over the past three years. It's been shocking that for some reason they don't, they don't really know me. I'm not involved with football anymore through ill health. Um, you know, and... and Members of my family don't speak to me. I don't know why. Maybe they 
I know they talk, I know they talk about me to people in a good way, but as in connecting with me, there's no connection whatsoever. So yeah. uh, it's trusting people, you know. I've learned to know the right who's with me and who isn't with me. Yeah. And most important for me now is is health. You know, yeah. since me and Fiona got together, we we've, we've actually suffered so much. We spend more time at the hospital than anybody I know. You know, she's got a biopsy on Tuesday. I've got a new knee on Wednesday. Um, any, we don't get bills here. We just get letters from the NHS to go and have this, that. You know, it's mm-hmm. um, so it's a lot of trust, a lot of love, and be loyal to the people that are loyal to us. That's fantastic, Stephen. Do you know what? I'm, I mean, I've, I've gone all kind of shivery there just listening to that because from a personal level, I 100% believe in that. 100%. Mm-hmm. The challenge these days, as you've already alluded to, there's not, I mean, there, there's still a lot of good people in this world. And if you didn't believe that, then what is the point? Yeah. But I find that, you know, that kind of old school loyalty that, you know, that you're referring to, you have to dig around to find yeah, it. It's not, um, I mean, my, my author, his family's lovely. You know, got two lovely sons. They see each other. They have a meal together. I, I don't see my kids, you know, you don't, don't bother me anymore. Shout out for your author, Steve, his name? Uh, John, Jonathan Nicholas. Jonathan Nicholas. Yeah, he's, uh, he's done a great job with the book. And it's probably just not out for Christmas, but then again, it's the publisher's not our fault. Um, mm. It took us nearly a year to write it. And um, I've read it, and I can't wait to have it in my hand, and it'll probably mean more to me than anything that I've won in football, because it's my life and not just me, my football story. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, this is the whole point, Steve, of this podcast. It's about your life. As yeah. I've said, you know, people can go on the internet, so they can, you know, they can research your playing career, but people want to know more. People yeah. want what you call, quite rightly, that connection. They yeah. want to know about, you know, they, they turned up on a Saturday night, uh, on a Saturday afternoon and saw you at Madeleine or Plymouth Argyle or Derby County or wherever you was. They never got to know Steve. Because no. I know from my years on the terraces at Forest, you know, I used to look at, you know, I was brought up in the... Uh, the late 60s, early 70s on, you know, I used to look at plays now, even though in those days, I used to think, what Robbo's going to be doing tonight? Mm. Johnny Winfield, what's he, Sammy Chapman, what's he on? John Middleton, remember John Middleton? Oh, yeah, I worked with John at Derby, yeah. Yeah. You know, what, so sad he passed away, it's horrendous really. It's fantastic lovely man. He was, yeah. Yeah. I learned a lot of him. Yeah. He wasn't, I had nine years at Derby, there wasn't many goalkeepers there that I saw train as well as him. Mm. Just sort of flipping off at a slight tangent. Always remember it was in the Trent End and Forrest um, were playing Southampton and Peter Osgood was playing for uh, centre forward for Southampton. And this header, uh, this cross came in from the right wing, the old East Standards it was then. And Osgood met it, bang, perfect. And it was going top corner. Yeah. And I often, I've still etched in my memory, Middleton got a fingertip to it and it, yeah. it kept it out. I'll never, ever forget that save. I had my first goalkeeping course with him and Peter Wells. Peter Wells. When I was 15. Another nice guy. Yeah. And Peter obviously Wells. Alan Hill took the session. Yeah. So yeah, it goes back a long, long time. So just getting back to um, Steve the man then, um, what's your views, Steve, around, you know, society's changed. We've touched upon that a bit. Um and very interesting to hear an ardent professional footballer from a, and I'm going to be controversial here, from an age when footballers were proper. Mm. And I know there's going to be some controversy over that, but they played the game 
very hard and very fair and there wasn't too much rolling around on the pitch. Um, So the game's changed dramatically. Society's changed. How how do you feel about that now, having played the game? Well, first of all, the football, Steve, because you played in a culture where you just got on with it. Yeah. And I remember one of Cluffy's saying, unless you've got a broken leg, I'm not interested. Carry on. Well, I think that's changed. Um, The first thing I'll pick up on is the fact that Teams aren't teams anymore. Not in the division that I played in. It's more about individuals. Mm. Um, we used to sleep together, drink together, eat together. We used to go to the lounges together. Now you get the odd one coming. You know, you know, players aren't on three, four year contract at lower level. They get one year contracts, and they aren't around long enough to form a family atmosphere mm. within the group of players. Yeah, um, I, I find. I think De Gea is outstanding with his the new technique of, of goalkeeping where it's more with your feet, your hands, as in standing up. Mm. But I think in my day, you got in where it hurt. And yeah. nowadays, you don't see much of that. You don't see keepers getting injured. You don't see goalkeepers dive at someone's feet. It's more, I'll stand up. If I block it, it looks great. If I miss it, you look a fool. Yeah. And they even coach it. I've seen videos where they coach it. Stand up and twist your, you know, turn your foot. It's like a slab and a half side goalkeeper. Mm. You know, got small goals, yeah, and you're blocking it with all, whatever you can to see it's short range. And that's how it's becoming in uh, in league football. Yeah, if it, if it comes off, it's great. But even the guy when he's trying to stand up, be tall, and stick a foot out, and he don't get it, it looks so bad. I'm thinking, and you're on all that kind of penance a week. It's embarrassing. Yeah, so. I- how do you think, Steve, you know, um, dare I say, players from your generation, and I'm, I'm generalising now, although we could be specific about your own opinion, is there, I think resentment is far too strong a word, but do you kind of look at the situation now and the way that money absolutely dominates the game? I don't resent what they earn. No? I, I've had moments in my life where I think, you know what, I've had four clubs, I've had four player of the years, I, I've gone to Derby, they offered me a three-year contract, yeah. I was there, this is my ninth year. They offered me a three-year contract. The wages were okay, and I asked for a lump sum, a small lump sum, which I know that it was half what two of the goalkeepers had had. I turned it, they wouldn't, they wouldn't budge on the contract, and I signed for Walsall, bypassing Wolves, maybe I should have signed for, I don't know, and got three times what I was asking at, for Derby. And they, they get to 28,000 and Warsaw's, what, fallen off? Mm. You know, that's what I resent. That's what I'm, I'm gushed about. Should, should I have stayed? Yeah, I should have stayed. But the Sultans have not been looked after. Yeah. And you have given everything. And I, you know, in my day, you said, you know, I want players with black and white blood or red and white blood, whatever it is. Yeah. I yeah. gave it. Yeah. I was first in, last out. Now look at me now. I need two knee replacements. I'm not feeling great. You know, I'm full of arthritis. But I gave it, but I think somewhere down the line, I could have got a bit more out of the game than what I did do. And it's not, I'm not being bitter. Yeah. It's just moments where you sit and think, what was it all for, you know? Mm. If I didn't feel like I, I, I do now, we might not be having this conversation, but there's times when I think, you know what? Well, I've had moments where I've been looked after mm. more than I expected. But there's been times when, you know what? 
they could have put a bit more of a fight. Mm. And because I left Derby of my own accord, I've had no contact with that club in 33 years. Right. Not even an invite back. Right. Supporters play of the year. And my goalkeepers have won that at Derby four, five in the lifetime. Mm. It's amazing. I suppose the other side of that coin, Steve, playing devil's advocate is from the average um, lad or lass on the terraces would say, given anything to have been, you know, to have been a professional footballer. Yeah. There's both sides of the coin, but this is what's great about this conversation because it gives that insight into, into your thoughts and your feelings, you know, because I think it's so easy for people just to sit from a distance and mm-hmm. judge, you know, and say, well, you know, X, Y, or Z, or cast an opinion, but actually have you spoken to the man himself about he how he feels? I understand that conversation. You know, someone said to me, I'll pay your mortgage and I do this and that. I would I play for free. But unfortunately, I had two young kids, mm. a mortgage to pay, and I would like to have got that paid off before I finished football. Yeah. You know, um, then I, I, I've been to, don't get me wrong, I, got, I, went, I spent three months at Chesterfield via Notts County, and I got so much looked after. I was only three months on loan. Yeah. Yeah, I've not had one invite back in nine years at, I had nine years at Derby and I had one phone call to say guest of honour or two free tickets or no, no connection whatsoever. And I've lost that connection with Derby now. Yeah, yeah. I would say so after all that time. But isn't it true though, Steve, that, you know, when we look back in life and I think football for me, and that's why I called it mastering the game of life initially, now mastering life, of course. But football for me, uh, and I obviously never played at your level, but it was a great reflection of life because if you was a defensive kind of player, and I was because of my upbringing and the, everything that was going off in, in my life, I was very suspicious. I was very angry with the world. I kept out of the way. Now, my attitude was almost like a proverbial centre off. Keep away from me and you'll be all right. If you come mm. near me, I'm going to hurt you. And I carried that mentality into life. That was about my own insecurity, my own vulnerability. Yeah. I think conversely in life, if you're a confident, secure, outgoing person, you can strive for goals. So in football terms, you'd be a forward, you'd be a tricky winger. I'll, yeah. I'll chance my arm on the wing. I'll, I'll try an audacious lob, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think there's a great reflection there of how we conduct ourselves in life and how we conduct ourselves in football, mm. to use our example. I think what you just spoke about is a lot lots to do with confidence, isn't it? Yeah. You know, oh, if you're a massive. confident person, and I, I was, not cocky, I was confident, and I, I like to think I was organised, yeah. and I, on the pitch, and I like to help people out. Even like when I was at Derby, um, I think I'd be about, what, 17, and this young lad came on trial, and I was just doing my job. But... I threw a ball to him, I told him, you know, to turn or hold it or whatever. And his parents came to me after the game and said to me, um, thanks for helping my lad out. I said, I'll just do my job. Mm-hmm. That's that's part of my job, yeah. is to talk to my defenders and make the job easier for them, give them more time, more space on the ball. Um, and that's what I did throughout my career. I think what's coming across to me, Steve, loud and clear, is as a human being, you are a very, very caring and compassionate man. That's coming through. I can feel the energy from that. Have you always been that way? I Is think so, yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's, for me, family background. 
And interesting you know, as well. I think you're born with that. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you would get no arguments from me there. I think, you know, if, uh, in my situation, I was too busy surviving, so I put up a smokescreen that wasn't me. Mm. But I, I agree with you. It's in there. In fact, I'd go a stage further, Steve. It's in all of us. Yeah, but I think some of us lose our way. Yeah, 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 without a doubt, yeah. Some of us lose our way. But I think those some people will have to laugh or regret missing out on what they should have had. Yeah. Because what I love about that admission, you know, from a, a professional athlete, which, as I say, came from an era, you know, where the game was very tough, very physical, no mm. prisoner talk, non-quarter given, non-ask. It was just deliver and win. Um, but you've used the word love. Now, you're not kind of, you're not going to get too many guys from that generation bandying that word around because society expects that he is from a generation, you don't talk about it. You don't, you don't use fluffy words. Guys don't talk like that. Which leads me to another one. I'm going to throw this at you, Steve. Big boys don't cry. What's your thoughts on oh, that? Oh, since my dad died, I've been so emotional. I'm a different person. I could... If I see someone winning something, I get emotional. Yeah. If I see the winner of X Factor, I'll get emotional. <laughs> if I see, if I watch the Lifetime Achievement Awards, and I think this the bit of that, like when when I won the Derby County Award, the, the assembly rooms in Derby, two and a half thousand people were there, and I was unconsolable. You know, Peter Taylor gave me the trophy and blah blah blah. Yeah, Knox County, and I didn't get him. Get I got my trophy on the pitch. Yeah. All it up. I didn't get the chance to be emotional because there's a bit in my book that I'm not going to tell you about that hmm. there's something that went off on that day, but um, I'm a very emotional person. Yes, my wife, she, she knows that. And I think that stemmed from my dad dying. So I don't think I was as bad before that. He died in 2000. So I've had 18 wet years around, haven't I? Hmm. You know. Um, yeah, it definitely changed my, my way. I'd challenge that word, Steve, if I may, when you said I wasn't as bad as that. I'd say you wasn't as good as that because I think for any person to have this internal strength to be able to show that emotion is exactly that. It's an internal strength mm. because what it's saying, particularly with the stereotype of a guy, you know, big boys don't cry. Just just shut up and get on with it. Yeah. You know, and, and particularly the areas we came from yeah. in the early 60s, mining villages, I mean, mm. you wasn't allowed. No, no. You know, it's like... Children should be seen and not heard. Mm. You know, you're thick here. What are you crying for? Well, there's another one. Now yeah, you've got yeah. something. To, yeah, well, that yeah, certainly yeah. was my upbringing. Anyway. Yeah, it was mine. Yeah. It's when I was a, a kid. If I was mischievous and my mum couldn't cope with me, she'd say, wait till your dad gets home. Yeah. On occasion, I had the belt. Yeah. Didn't do any on. Yeah. You know, I always rubbish on media now about you can't smite your kids and all that. Well, maybe there's not enough of it. That's my thoughts on it, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Most memorable game, Steve. Most memorable um, game. We've got to say the Man City, Notts County Man City in the FA Cup um, because I got away with the I got away with I had the luckiest day in my life, but I also probably made about twenty saves that I shouldn't have saved, um, and to put the club through to the quarterfinal of the FA Cup was amazing. But then again, I played Derby Man U at the baseball ground, but we got beat one nil, and I probably had a more quality of save game. Than I did against not against Man City at, at Notts, and then the other quarter final or the sixth round, I played for Derby at Plymouth, and down there we, we drew nil nil, and I had, I had the game of my life, and 
probably the Man City game is more important because we went through 1-0 and the other two the Man U Dogman U we got beat in the last five minutes by a normal white side and I'd stopped everything um, but the Plymouth game down there 0-0 I had a blinder on a sports night I won't go into it seeing what's going to see me a book but something happened down at Plymouth and on the home game I let a goal into my corner he got swung in Tommy Tarland came across me. I thought he would get in front of me to nod it in. And hit the back post and went in. And my, my defender who was on the post was in the back of the net somewhere. I don't know what he was doing. I thought he was crabbing. I don't know with the nets. So I'm not quite sure. But, you know, we got beat 1-0 and I got ridiculed by the Derby fans. And um, and Peter Taylor dropped me for after the game. Which is a bit shot by a goalkeeper. Ex-goalkeeper. My manager dropped me because of one mistake. Mm-hmm. Where nowadays... You can play a full season of mistakes. I've seen it at knots and not get dropped. Um, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, and then he got the sack two days after and McFarlane put me back in the team. And I got I was in the top three play of the year yeah. in my last season at Derby. So from the most memorable game then, Steve, what would you say has been your most memorable moment in life? In life, I think uh, playing for England. Right. Uh, with two England caps on the back there. Um, wow. Yeah. I've got my England blazer uh, that I've kept. Uh, because the thing else I spoke about it a lot with the wife you know winning medals is a is a is a team thing but when you get to play for your country it's something you've been doing for a couple of years and you've improved that much you know you've got recognition for all your hard work and dedication to football mm. and going to Monaco for two weeks and Las Palmas for two weeks in two separate comps and winning me caps there's you know some of the people I met in Monaco and it was truly, yes, that is it, playing for my country. The national anthem. Yeah. It's, when you're on a football pitch and that gets played, it's about emotions running high yeah. and you've got to go and play a game. That's tough. As an 18-year-old, I was under 18s. And that our squad had some fantastic stars in it that made top flight for number of seasons. Bob mm. Allen, Martin Allen, Falco, John Lukic was my sidekick. There's lots in there. Gary Shaw, Wayne Clark. It's a good team, very good team. They're good members, they are. Very yeah. good. Yeah, they are. And being spoiled as well. Yeah. Bishop Abbey, where you get all these gifts given you to go away with, and you get paid daily to go away. Like I say, you just want to play for your country. Mm. That was the best. You play for county a few times over the years, but playing for your country was the... That's it. Do you think the modern-day footballer, Steve, shares that? Same level of passion, pride that you know players from your generation and before undoubtedly had. I think when you play for under 18s or under 21s, it's a different mm. uh, purpose in life because you want to get to the top, like I did. Mm. Didn't get there quiet, but um, I think when you're at the top anyway and you're playing for your country and you're on millions of pounds a week or thousands of pounds a week, it, it can't be the same. Mm. I'm not saying you're not passionate about playing for your country, but you play to get there to earn that kind of money and live better. And you know, mm, yeah. So I, I'm hoping that that's not the case. But some of the performances in the past years, you think, mm. you know, it's not, it's not that. But yeah, because it is short-lived football. It's when you're a young lad, you think oh, I've got 25 years me yet, and it, it flies by. We could have uh, might set this up for a future. For a future episode, Steve, a, a modern day footballer, a three way conversation between a, 
the new kid on yeah, the block yeah, and yeah, uh, one yeah, of the old vets called yeah. Steve Cherry and I was yeah. sitting in the middle and referee. Yeah, why not, mate? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Just tell us a bit about uh, your book then, uh, Steve. Cherry Picking, Life Between the Sticks. Tell us, do you want to give us a few insights around that? Yeah, it starts when I was two years of age uh, when um, how I survived at the age of two. Um, it was meant to be that after that, Episode. I won't tell you what it is because it's. Um, it made the Evening Post in Nottingham, right? Um, and I was very lucky. The family was very lucky to get out and continue with life. That's how. That's how hard it was, you know. Right. Um, I think I, I was blessed that day, even though at the time I wouldn't have thought I was only two, but. Fit to make the Evening Post and I had a full page double double spread in it about my family and myself in 1963. I made the headlines in 1963. So looking back now, it's a great start to my life in a nice way. Yeah, yeah. The PR machine was rolling at an early age. It was, age. Mate, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I've been lucky. I've, uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I want you to imagine, Steve, just as we as we come close to blowing the final whistle now on this episode, um, you're making your final appearance in the game of life. The big referee is about to blow the whistle and you've got 30 seconds to look back on your life and leave a message behind, a powerful message. What would that be? Um, I say how I wouldn't change a thing, but maybe I'd take a step back and not be too hasty and analyse things and speak to people rather than be a a young lad who's wants to get there too quick, too soon. Be more patient. Enjoy the journey. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I say I wouldn't change it, a thing. Yeah, there's, there's there's been a few hiccups along the way, but I can hand on heart say I gave my best for every manager that I played for, mm. and someone have let me down. Some let the club team down. But, you know, even being a goalkeeping coach, best one of the best managers I've ever played for, so not played for as a coach, was, was Keith Alexander. Right. He treated me like I was a superstar. Mm. So much time for me, so much respect for me, and that's something that I take to my grave. That's how I think managers should be. So you pass in the... So, you passing a message on, Steve, to the world, whether it's, you know, your kids, or my kids, the lady next door, the guy in the petrol station, whatever. If you could sum it up, what would be the, your legacy for your life? What, what would that one message be to say to the world? This is what I stood for and this is what I've learned and this I'd is what i live life to the forward and I've no regrets. So yeah. in that, you've got to think that, I'll go back to being a bit more patient yeah. and taking a bit more time up before you make hasty decisions and not thinking it's the grass is green on the other side. Mm. Just be a bit more patient and, and but live life to the full, but I've never regrets, I think. Well, I, I haven't. Really, I've not. Um, what, what What's happened has happened and, you know, like I say, it's all my hands up, so I've, I've done my best. Yeah. I've not cut any corners. I've not cheesed anybody. I've just... Give it me all. Okay, the final whistle is about to go, Steve. Is there anything else you want to add at this, uh, well, this literal final blow? 
Anything? No, just, uh, you know, if you're out there, please support my two charities and buy the book. Um, as I say, you've had a small piece of me today, but you'll read the book and think, you know, as I said at Chesterfield, you know, there's been some laughter and a lot of tears, um, which made me stronger. And uh, like now, even though with the illnesses that we've had, um, we'll live day by day, but me and Fiona, we're loving life. Brilliant. Steve, sincere gratitude for having the strength to share your vulnerability with us, your tears and, and all that kind of stuff that's, you know, not many, not too many people actually throw their hands up to that. So thank you for that because Pleasure, the world is looking for that real in people. And that's what I wanted to get out of this episode because I know you of, you know, not closely, but I knew enough about you to know that you'd got that strength to say big boys do cry and I've yeah, been one of them. Right Thanks very much, Steve. Pleasure, mate. Thank Absolute you. Absolute pleasure. Thank Cheers, you. Mate, Tom. Thanks for listening to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. Drop a line to paul at paullowhearts.com with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at paullowhearts.com or any of his social media feeds under the same name. Remember, mastering life starts by embracing our hearts.